Howdy folks, welcome to another episode of Yoga Dave's Hobby Podcast, the podcast where I talk about everything from tabletop RPGs to um, board games to wargaming um, on the tabletop to everything that encompasses the hobbies. Um, So this is, what is this, the um, 6th of March episode, uh, not 6th of March, 6th of May episode, Um, I will have recorded this a little ahead of time. Um, because I will be actually on hol- on the way home from Aaron today, um, so I won't have time to record the podcast, to be honest. Um, and I, I, I thought about, yeah, I'll, I'll release it on the Tuesday, but then I thought, well, I'm releasing YouTube on the Tuesday, so maybe not. Um, but first things first, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you, the last couple of episodes you probably heard me talking about Falkirk Wargame Show, um, Karenade, which is on, well, it'll be this Saturday coming. Um, well, this Saturday, actually. It'll be the 11th of May. Um, so the show will have many a trader, many a participation game, many a display game um, from clubs all around, uh, clubs and place shops and what have you, all around Scotland and the United Kingdom. Um, <clears throat> not that they'll be maybe United for maybe much longer, but never mind. Um, that I actually would like that, but never mind. Again, um, let's not look politics into things. Um, so, uh, as I said, on multiple occasions, I will be there. I will be doing the Glasgow District Wargame Society's um, show. Uh, well, show. Um, display game, participation game. Um, I can't remember the, the name off the top of my head, but it's a cut-down version of Bolt Action um, that you'll be playing as the Italians attacking a Serbian um, ammo dump and fuel dump. Um, so, as I said, the, again, there'll be um, many a trader. You'll have Warlord, you'll have Sarissa, you'll have Caliber Books, um, you'll have various other um, important traders uh, at the show. Um, and... There will be a flea market up on top floor. I think it's the top floor. But there'll be, there'll be signs to wherever it is. Um, and various people will be doing stalls at flea market um, to sell their stuff. I've done it before. Um, I got a lot of bits sold, but not a huge amount. Um, I went home with quite a bit, actually. Um, but that's that's beside the point entirely. Um there probably will be a few bargains there. If you are an RPGer or you are a board gamer, there will be stuff for you. There's always stuff for anyone involved in gaming whatsoever at the show. Um, also, Common Ground Games will be there. Common Ground Games, the place up in Stalin where you can actually go and play games um, in the shop. It's, it's mostly a gaming centre. It's got a nice shop, but it's mostly a gaming centre. Um, that's it for the plug for today. Um Obviously, the next episode you won't be hearing a plug, but um, for this anyway. Um, yeah, if you come, uh, come say hello. I will be there, um, and we're gonna talk some gaming stuff. Um, I am trying to organise some interviews over the next couple of weeks um, to try and get obviously some some more people in the hobby interviewed for the show. Um, uh, and we'll just we'll take things as we go as we get them. Um, so 
let's get on with the show. Right, um, so what I'm going to talk about is initially is a little bit more about the Ham and Sharon, the Legends of Ham and Sharon, and actually why I'm doing this. Um, and I think I hope it encourages other people to try their own hand at various bits and pieces gaming wise if that is something they want to do. Um, so originally, like way back in the day, I wanted to do my own um, RPG, you know, and also I, I tried my hand at making my own war games and stuff. Um, I never actually ever got out the, the design stage for any of them um, because, you know, I didn't really have that many people that I was friends with that I thought, Oh, they'll be they'll be quite good at helping me out to do this. You know, most of the people I RPG'd with, um, you know, it was all just about the RPG. They didn't, you know, they weren't really into the whole build yourself kind of build it yourself kind of thing. Um, they just wanted to be able to sit and play. <laughs> Sorry if there's a bit of um, water lapping in the background. That'll be Zach um, drinking his water. Um, but yeah, as as I was saying, you know, nobody really wanted to you know, get involved in building their own game. Um, uh, and that was the same for the war games as well. Nobody really seemed to be wanting to be involved in it, doing anything other than playing the games or, you know, um, painting the figures or whatever. Anyway, um, so this has been kind of a, a dream thing for me to do for the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Um but the thing that really spurred on was, as you probably know, I started doing Twitch um, with D&D, with a new gaming group that I, I put together. Um, and obviously, you know, you're streaming a game and then Article 13 comes out. Now, Article 13, if you don't know, is a European law that will govern um, basically copyright um, on the internet. Uh, that's an oversimplification of it, but basically it puts the onus on anyone who streams, you know, the providers of streaming platforms or video platforms to ensure that there's no copyright um, breaches um, with any other stuff. So obviously, if you're playing D&D and, you know, Wizard of the Coast decide, oh, you're not what we're kind of looking for with streamers of our game, and I'm not saying Wizard of the Coast will do that, but obviously people like me who swear a lot and, um, you know, I'm not afraid to voice my opinion whether or not I enjoy a thing or not. Um, you know, maybe they don't want that voice playing their game. So I thought to myself, do you know what? The best thing to do, do what you want, always wanted to do, and build your own game. Use your own set of rules. Build it from this so essentially i sat down i decided how would i like to change things how would i like to make things different and you know i enlisted eventually not even that long after deciding that i was going to do it unless to help a couple of my friends um because one of them um sam is good at really dissecting a set of rules and finding the, the issues with the set of rules which, you know, is quite good when you're doing something like this because, you know, he's going to find the holes. I mean, he's not going to find all the holes, but, you know, 
that that's why you play test the set of rules. Um, and then there's Alistair, who I brought on because, or I, I, I wanted to bring on because he's really good with analysing stuff. Um, also, he's going to be brilliant for doing databasing and the online tools, which, you know, he, he was the one with an idea in the first place. He, he was like, oh, I've got an idea for a character sheet. Um, and then talked to us about it, and it's like, that's a pretty good idea. Um, and then Barry I brought on because... You know, Barney's very good at the lore side of things, putting these kind of things together. So, you but also get Barney as you know a good guy, and you know, as a player, he's he's always enthusiastic about what he's doing. So, um, you know, that's what you kind of want. Um, it, it wasn't any particular you know thing other than being Barry, being Barry, basically, <laughs> the reason that I brought I wanted to bring him on and. What I've decided now is basically the four of us, you know, will be sharing a company when when we put the company together. Um, and I told them that, and they're like, well, well, we thought we'd just help me out. And it's like, well, I've decided that, you know, when it goes commercial, then it's going to be four of us together doing the do users helping as much as anyone is it going to help, and you know, users sharing. So rather than credit sharing. Why not just the four years start our own company eventually um, and, you know, we'll get things going and we'll do everything ourselves. You know, self-publish and all, all the rest of that kind of stuff. But um, that that stuff is obviously a couple of years at least down the line, a year at least down the line before we have to even start looking at that kind of thing. But I am looking big picture because sometimes, sometimes I do not look big picture, but sometimes I look way big picture. Um, and on this, it's something I need to do. It's something I. It's not just something I want to do. Something I need to do. Something I need to get out. Um, and I need to publish. So, you know, <clears throat> that that's how. It's becoming what it is. Um, I, I said to talk a little bit about uh, the actual rule set um, and, and other episodes. Um, so, <clears throat> the difference between this set of rules and basically, you know, other sets of rules is with um, fate. So, I'm calling it the fate deck just now. But um, there are going to be probably better names for it in the future. Basically, um, it, excuse me. Um, with the fate deck, each character has a set certain number of fate points. Now, every character starts with at least two, maybe three or four, um, and they can have a maximum of ten. And these, there's the fate deck, so it's a deck of cards. They've got red Joker, black Joker. Um, well, the Red Joker's called the Lord of um, the Celestium, and the um, Black Joker is the Lord of Tyranny. So these are two different... Our plan is when we actually release the rules to have a set of cards that are, like, our own cards. So each card... Well, you can buy a set of playing cards and use them. Um, so Red Joker is Hanron, the Lord of... No, Celestium, so he's the leader of the good wizards, uh, good wizards, the good gods. Um, and then um, Jalador is the Lord of Tyranny or the Lord of the Underworld, who is the um, 
leader of the dark gods or the evil gods um, and basically each card and each suit will be uh, one of the gods um, I know that's quite a few pictures that are going to have to get um, paint, um, done for us but you know it'll be worth it when we eventually re um, release it but um, essentially with the fate deck is you have a dice roll that you fail um, but it's really important that you pass it um, so it could be you know a really important um, plot point or what you think might be a really important plot point um, that you've got to get through but you've got no way getting, it, getting through it unless you use this fate point because it's too hard for you to do it um, with the dice um, so you flip a card and you determine you say okay so it's a it's a really it's well, not an impossible but a near impossible um attempt so you draw a card and this card has to be you say right so it needs to be you're a light character so there's a good guy um and the order of presence at the moment would be hearts diamonds club spades now for a, an an easy um skill check that you need to pass but your dice roll have been dice roll have been terrible um you or an immediate intermediate so easy and intermediate you can choose a color or which card um with difficult and um regular tests it has to be a red a joker a heart or a diamond um suit card you have to say it'll be this one or this one um so you choose the color or you choose a suit but with you know um difficult tests or uh, near impossible tests it has to be a half one half of the hearts so you if you draw that card and you go red joker yes awesome um you've got the red joker which means your fate points being refunded and it's a critical pass that's awesome if you pull a black joker this is because you're a you're a, a good character um the that fails critical fail and then you lose an extra fate point but if you pass by pulling whatever half of the heart suit that you decide you want to go you pass well, you don't get the critical pass but you get the pass and that's great yes we've got through that plot point um it'll be the same for combat uh letting a post test um highest card between you and the gm wins if you're a player character as you are the light and you or the gm pull the red joker which is the high king it scores a critical pass and the fate point is refunded um, if you or the GM pull the Lord of Tyranny, it causes a critical fail and a setting point, fate point is lost. Now, you don't really want critical fails because critical fails are bad. Um, the thing is, this is now reversed if you're a dark character or if you're a neutral character that decides, oh, for this session I'm going to um, favour the dark or the light. It, it depends. Or neutral, neutral characters can either favour one side or the other. Um, in a session but um, one of the things with it is you can't um, favour it too much 
um, or after a certain number of sessions, then you can um, start falling or start going to the light. Um, and if you're a cleric of a particular god, that's not a good idea. That's not a good thing. Um, so, that, I mean, that's 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 a very simple explanation of that um, particular um, mechanic in the game. Um, I think it might. Uh, it will probably be better explained when you actually read this, the explanation. But I like to talk about these things. Um, also, with the skill tests, skill tests are um, something I was going to talk about because they're, they're a little different. Um, so, uh, skills, 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 skills. So essentially, um, skill checks are on a certain number of d20s. So you have to score at least one success. When you do a simple test, you do it with five d20s, you plus three on your skill check, intermediate with four d20s at your skill check, um, with... 3d20 at hard, um, at a minus 3, extremely difficult, you roll 2d20 at a 6, and almost impossible, you roll a d single d20 at a minus 10. You can supplement these dice with dice from the dice pool, so a certain amount of passes over and above the one you need can, can give you extra dice into a, a group um, pool point, uh, a pool, group dice pool, um, uh, and you can say, right, well, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take this dice from this um, dice pool, and we, you know, uh, uh, and you know, if you need, you really, really need to pass this test, and you don't want to use a fake point, um, we, and you've got a dice pool of maybe three or four extra dice. Um, you say, I'll take two of these dice, um, and you roll the dice. So if it's an almost impossible, you've got those three, those three dice to get your skill test. Minus nine. Um, skill tests, always on a one or a two, they pass. Always on a 19 or a 20, they fail. Um, it gives you a little leeway, but also your bonuses and negatives can bring you below or above that, but... The, the actual roll will never stop, we never less than a 2 and um, more than an 18 um, but um, obviously that will be explained a wee bit better uh, as and when we, we go on with the game um, so um, with it you know, with the skills, you've also got talents. So talents are things that you're capable of doing um, through your training and knowledge and proficiency. Um, so, um, so the likes of weapon talents. So weapon talents are there's the overarching weapon talents. So, you know, you've got your unarmed attacks, you've got light-bladed weapons, medium-bladed weapons, heavy-bladed weapons, you've got hafted weapons, you've got handled weapons, you've got um, martial arts weapons, you've got exotic weapons. Yes, I do know that's like, um, what do you call it? D&D, but that's beside the point. Um, there's racial weapons, there's... Ballistic weapons, 
in a couple of different classes. Your simple ballistic weapons, light firearms, which are gunslinger or iron belcher only. Um, I've decided on the name on that yet. Um, you've got your light martial ballistic weapons and you've got light exo- you've got exotic, you've got martial ballistic weapons and exotic ballistic weapons. Um, but on top of that, you've got uh, armor tra- talents, you've got weapon training talents, you've got weapon focuses, you've got spell focuses, you've got you know, all, all these different type of talents and focuses that can help you in your fighting or in your magic or uh, in various other things like knowledge and, you know, it, not entirely like feats, but not entirely unlike feats. Um, and obviously, above that, you know, you eat your spells. Um, so... Spells um, are a little um, different from various other sets of rules, and that um, you've obviously got your magical bolt, wall, ball, explosion, wave, all these kinds of things. Um, but with them, what you can do is imbue a, a, a magical focus upon your elemental bolt. So. Or not element. Well, you make him um, a magical boat and an elemental boat, or you know, so you can use fire boat or electricity boat or air boat or whatever. But you can also add ecto- if you're a necromancer, you can add ectoplasmic energy to a bow or an explosion or a wave or whatever it is. Um, and also with um, all magical. Um, all, all spells that you have to have a number of points in each spell which means you can all this is how many dice you need to roll to or this is how many dice you can roll to pass a spell test so to cast a, a spell um but these you know this the spells can actually be um upgraded with dice except if you have a focus or a I focus um, from your talents. Um, I'm not going to continually talk about the set rules, obviously, because, you know, it's um, probably counterintuitive sometimes um, to spend too much time talking about it. But every, obviously, this podcast and the last podcast, um, I've been spending a bit of time looking at them. Um, and thought well i'll talk about them now because i don't really have that much to talk about um right now because obviously i am doing um two in a very short speed space of time um so yeah hold on two six i'll be back um i I know i'm 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 talking still about um this set of rules but um, the thing I want to talk about is, in, in addition to this, is online tools. Um, so we're building online tools to go with the set of rules. Um, and we're doing it as we're building the game. Um, which, you know, discussing it, I think it's actually quite important. I think the problem with a lot of online set of rules, uh, online tools and generators and everything they're built, um after the fact so it's not 
um, <clears throat> it's not um, built um, as as in when you're building it. So you know it's all after the fact. It's not thinking about well this goes with this, this goes with that. So you haven't to go back and do it all at the same time. You know as trying to th- you know develop other things. So the idea behind us doing this is everything's going on databases. You know, all the weapons, armor, you know, spells, character races, character races, you know, all, all the things that help you build the character. Um, and then we'll put monsters and how to build your own monsters and all, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Um, building NPCs, building your own dungeons. Excuse me. But building all this stuff to help us as much as it's going to help any player that plays it, it's going to help us. Um, but my plan is to not only have it running online, but making it available for you to to use offline um, eventually. Obviously, because we're working it through databases, I'm hoping that we can get it programmed as well, so that we can release a, a, an offline version. I'm going to talk to the guys about that um, next week. We're going to sit down next Monday, do some board gaming and talk about the game um, and how, how we're progressing with it and what what things are happening. And obviously, you know, having an online um, character sheet um, is going to be a wee bit different for this one because obviously part of your character sheet is the cards. So actually having an online version of the cards that you can go, right, okay, so... For this particular game, I've got this card, this card, this card, this card, this card. So I know which ones to take out my deck or the communal deck. Um, so it's there in front of me. Um, and it also, this will also help for doing online gaming. Like online for like the likes of Roll D20. Um, you know, so everyone's got everything in front of them. You don't need bits of paper or links to different character sheets or all the rest of that kind of stuff will be there um, anytime you want to play it you know um, also if we can if we can do something like this offline it'll be quite helpful as well because I know a lot of people are not big fans of the online tools um, that you get with various games uh, purely because if you know your internet goes down and everything then you're a bit fucked uh, <laughs> that's that, that's that's the truth. Uh, if you're not your um internet not your internet goes down, or you, your mobile internet goes down, anything, uh, and you're meant to be playing a game, you're a bit fucked. Um, but the, the, this is my idea that it's not only available online, you'll have the available you have it offline as well. Um. But the thing is, um, we need people's feedback with it as well. You know, what people would be looking for and that kind of thing. And, you know, on top of me talking about all this kind of stuff, I I, I honestly think that if you, like, try to encourage people that if they want to do something like this, they should do it. You shouldn't wait 20 years 
and find the right people to do it that to help you out with it. You should go out there and look for the right people. Um, I know I, I'm I'm saying this now that it's much easier to go find people um, <laughs> thanks to Twitter and Facebook and you know all these different social media platforms. Um, that was completely different from when I was growing up. Um, and you know I've only been on Facebook for about ten years, so no, maybe less than that. It's probably less than that. It's probably well less than that. Uh, but I, I've not been on Facebook the whole time. I've been on Twitter for fucking five months, uh, I think. Um, maybe six. It's maybe six months since I went on Twitter. Um, I doubt it, actually. I think it was in um, November. Um, but, you know, I've not been on Twitter that long, but I'm, like, sailing up. I've, I've got, like, almost 600 followers. Granted, I almost had, I only had almost 500 last week, but you know that's beside the point entirely. Um, <laughs> I've gone, <laughs> I've gone almost a hundred odd followers in the space of a week. It's weird, but oh, excuse me, sorry, I had to stop Zach from being a pain in the arse. Um, as I, as I was saying, you know, it's it's taken me a long time to get on Twitter. Um, and actually bring all these things together. Um, I mean, I didn't join Twitter for um, anything other than... I mean, uh, there was the networking side of things that was important. I think when you start doing stuff like podcasts or YouTube channels or the the rest of that kind of stuff. I mean, it was far behind me starting the YouTube channel, but... It was around about the same time I was starting the, um, well, the idea for the podcast was starting. Um, but that that's the thing. It was all about the network. And building a network and interacting with people and talking with people and finding out different things, you know, that, that's an important thing um, for anyone that's going to be doing something like this. Um, I found a few people that are in the same boat as me. They're, I mean, they're way ahead of me at the moment. But, you know, they're, they're doing their thing, I'm doing my thing. And somebody might think, well, why would you... I mean, I, I retweet stuff these people do um, all the time. But people would be like, why are you retweeting them? Are they not a competitor? It's like, well, technically, aye. But I don't give a shit. We want to encourage as many people to write their own RPGs, write their own games, write their own anything um, related to gaming because the more people the better um the more voices the better um you don't want just the likes of wizards of the coast um i, I know modifius aren't a big massive company but they're a big enough company um green and ronin were one i don't know if mongoose are still there don't know if all these companies are still here but you know you don't want like single massive entities and I know they're not all massive entities but they're big enough that there are multiple people involved in them like writing various sets of rules and stuff but the thing is you want a lot of voices and you want a lot of diverse voices which is the thing that self-publishing RPGs are important for Um, different voices Uh, from different places, different genders, different colours, different everything. It's important to have that voice somewhere 
you know, shouting out um, there is uh, the Swordsful RPG setting um, that has just um, been funded on Kickstarter. It's an Afropunk sci-fi world brimming with ancient magic and future tech. That's the line. Um, it's a guy by a called guy called Brandon Dixon um, in America. Uh, obviously, um, Brandon Dixon um, is most is he's an author and creator of Swordfall and Afropunk fantasy setting. Um, I have got him on Kickstarter, not Kickstarter on Twitter. Um, I never managed to get the Kickstarter, but it's something that I'm going to be packing up. Um, when it goes for release, um, and when it, whenever it gets released for like retail, um, so <coughs> you know that it's a, it's a major African American voice um, that very rarely gets heard. That's important. Um, there's a couple of different other sets of rules that are coming out now, round about now, that are different from um, anything that's ever been released before. Because, I mean, I'm a white guy. I don't have a, that much of a diverse voice. Um, but that's the same for pretty much the vast majority of RPGs. I mean, but... As, as I said, the Kickstarter thing, you know, self-publishing, it has got to the point where people are standing up and saying, well, this is my story. This is what my story looks like. And I'm a big fan of that. I'm a massive fan of that. I'll be buying it. Just because, you know, it's like, well, you got to support this, these kinds of things. Um, Obviously, if I had the money, I'd have done it already, but you know, I want to see it. I want to see it built and built and built and built and built. And a lot of people would hear that and go, well, you're writing your own. Completely different setting, completely different um, set of rules, completely different everything um, from what he's doing. And I'm quite happy to support. I'm quite happy to support fucking Pazio and uh, Wizard of the Coast, for fuck's sake. And they're exactly the same kind of thing that I'm doing, except a completely different set of rules, completely different setting. Um, you know, at some point I'll be releasing 5th um, edition uh, source books and Pathfinder source books for my set of rules, because it's like, well, why not? It's, a, it's another stream of revenue. Um, that's easy enough for me to... Um, Work back and forth between, um, because you know elves are elves, dwarfs are dwarfs, humans are humans, goblins are goblins, dark elves are elves. You know, I said elves are elves, but dark elves are dark elves, and goblins are goblins, and orc are orcs, with a twist. But you know, there's a lot of parallels that you can just you know you pull apart and you put back together. But it's I didn't want to just go, alright, I'll do a um, setting for D&D, or a setting for Pathfinder, or, you know, it's like, what's the point when 
you know, is again, Article 13 could come and bite me in the arse. But I will. I'll, I'll go to them and I'll go to them. Well, I've released this. I'd like to release this and this. Let's make some money together. Um, but as I said, different voices. Different voices are important. Um, <laughs> where am I? Where, I don't even know where I'm going with this sometimes. Um, keep on getting into trouble. Um, from people because I keep on going M M M M M because I don't know where I'm going. Sometimes, sometimes I just sit down and start talking into the mic, um, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with. I just sit and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk um, until I got bored with my own voice, which is often uh, a thing I wanted to talk about with um, group dynamics with gaming uh, is it's trying to figure out a way uh, of making people understand that you're pissed off with the fact that they don't bother their arse organising their own games and want you to organise every fucking game for them um, this this is a particular problem I've been having for a while um, that you know I've got to the point where with certain people I'm like, right, I'm not going to bother organising your game for you. Or I'm not going to bother including you in organising the games because you just expect me to do it. Um, and I'm sick and tired of it. But the problem is that you don't want to alienate anyone from your game. You don't want to alienate anyone from a group because because they have an issue, a certain issue. Um and I, I know I'm not the only one with this particular issue and this group of people. Um, but it's trying to tell somebody tactfully. And I have a problem with my tact. I don't have much. If I've got something to say, I'll fucking well say it. Uh, and the way that I talk when I'm on this, when I'm on the YouTube channel. Or you hear me talking all the time. I'm fucking blunt. And a lot of the time I can't do subtle. And I can't go, right, well, the thing is, you know, you're not doing it yourself. So, you know, maybe you should think about doing it. It'd be like, listen, man, fucking sick and tired of you fucking around. Go organise your own goddamn games. That is the kind of thing I would say. Um, to their face. Um, and... You can't do that because it will start fights, and I don't need fights. I have enough fights dealing with shit at work that I don't really don't need them in my life when I'm outside the work. Um, got enough potential for fights in work, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, and what I kind of want is people to talk to me about it because. I I don't know how I'm I'm gonna get around to this or get get them to understand that you know we need you to start doing your own thing. We need you to start talking to people and organising your own thing because we're sick and fucking tired of doing it for you. Um, because the subtleness that everyone's been going well, well we're doing this or we're doing that. 
um, and there's no space for you or there's no space for that person or that this that the next thing it doesn't seem to be fucking sinking in and I'm trying to find a way of doing it without um, anything related to me losing my shit at them because I really don't want to do it I can see me actually getting an FS fight with one of them. Um, and I really don't need that. Apart from anything, I could lose my fucking license if that happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I talk about it because, um, I mean, I've talked about it with other people, but... You don't really know how to deal with it unless you've had it in your own group. Um, and that's why I'm putting it out there. It's like, I've never had to deal with this kind of thing before. Because everyone seemed to understand that if you haven't organised a game, you don't get a game. Um, in the past, anyway. Um, I think, to be honest, we've coddled them for a little bit too long. And they've got lazy and they've decided, oh, well, somebody's going to organise it for us anyway. So we might as well, you know, wait around and see what everyone's doing. Um, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I'm not, you know, my intention is not to not include them in the initial playtesting of the rules. I know I say every playtester is a great playtest as as another person playing the game, but... I don't honestly think that, you know, there will be any help to it. Um, I mean, that's shitty, and I feel shitty saying it sometimes, but it's like I don't, I honestly don't see any merit to including them. But, you know, that's me. Um, what else, what else, what else? Oh, yes. Um, I am going to be playing 40k Munchkin very soon, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, if you haven't played the Munchkin games before, um, Steve Jackson Games um, did the original Munchkin. Um, and if you've seen the cards, it's John Kovalik that does the Dark Tower games. He did all the um, art for the original um Munchkin and I think he did it for the 40k Munchkin and the, the new Age of Sigmar Munchkin that's coming out as well. Um, essentially what it is, is you have a character, like any RPG, um, you adventure, you, you fight monsters, um, and essentially what you're trying to get is yourself to level 10. And it the first person to get to level 10 wins the game. Um, and, you know, you do this by fighting various characters, getting various cards, getting weapons, getting classes, all these different things that you would do in an RPG. Um, but you're playing against the other guys and, and the other players that are sitting around the table who are also trying to get to level 10. And you can fuck with each other. You can, They call it messing with each other, but... Um, it's kind of entertaining because you can mess with each other by adding a monster to a combat or 
making you less able to fight in a combat because um, every piece of equipment gives you plus to your attacks or minus to your enemy's attacks or you know all these kinds of things uh, if you haven't already played them or haven't already had the shot at it I highly recommend it um, I also highly recommend getting the Marvel version um, I have Munchkin Marvel and we played it um, I did mention it in the last podcast, I think. Um, we played it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Bianca, she won because her um, particular hero, it was like an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. you start with, rather than a, like a, a normal adventurer hero. Um, her particular um, hero became all-powerful, almost invincible. In fact, was pretty much invincible by the end of it. Um, because the rest of us had um, been fucking with each other <laughs> and hadn't hadn't actually paid attention to the fact that she was building up this awesome character and you're like, ah, right, okay. We lost. But it was it was a good entertaining game. Um and I highly rec- I highly recommend anyone going and buying Munchkin in any version of Munchkin. Um you always get the base game first, obviously. Um but one of the guys, Sam, has pretty much all the add-ons for the original Munchkin, and that game can be hilarious to play with the, with um, a big group of players. Um, where else? My brain is starting to go mush again. Um, oh yeah, I know I talked about the forty the other day, um, about Kyrgios, um, he was talking about the line coming back, um, obviously, and Lionel Johnson for the Dark Angels, Primark, um, and I'm actually kind of pissed off that they would bring that fucking arsehole back before they brought either Conrad Kurz, um, Lemon Ross, um, Yaktai Khan, you know, any of the actual good um, Primarchs to bring back. Because Lionel Johnson's basically another fucking Gilliman. I don't want another bloody Gilliman. Gilliman's a fucking arsehole as is. Um, but, you know, bit of diversity. <laughs> Lionel Johnson is a fucking Dark Angel, for God's sake. Bring back, I can't, can't remember the Salamander's um, chapter master. He's a perpetual, if I remember rightly. Um, why not bring him back? You know, that that is proper diversity. Um, for fucking 40k. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you could have brought Conrad Kors back. Not Conrad Kors. Korax. I call him Conrad Kors. I cannot believe I call him Conrad Kors. Fuck. Um, Corvus Corax. Uh, you bring back Corvus Corax. You bring back um, the Salamanders guy. Can't remember his name. You bring back um, Lemon Ross. You bring back Yagtai Khan. The only character worse to bring back than Lionel Johnson would be Rogel Dorn. Because Rogaldon's an even fucking more boring version of Gilliman, for God's sake. I mean, really? 
Do we really want Rogaldon to come back? He's a siege master. So the fuck what? Um, seriously, it's annoying that they're bringing back Lionel Johnson before they bring back anyone else. Because, apart from Rogaldon, in fact, Rogaldon would be the worst one to bring back ever. They're fucking funny. Um, but you know, I mean, come on for God's sake. Show a wee bit of fucking backbone or something. Bring back Yag Taikan. You know, that, that would be a great thing to rebuild the bloody White Scars. Uh, or um, re-energise the White Scars uh, as a, you know, and bike space marines. Um, I know they're trying to pull away from the old... Um, type of space marines and all the rest, that kind of stuff, but you bring bike-mounted fucking Primaris out. Really? It's not that bloody hard. You've been needing a new, um, what you call it? We've been needing new bikes for space marines forever. Since second edition, for God's sake. Um, I've got Second edition freaking bikes. Granted, they're um, attack bikes, but still second edition bikes. But you can see the mold lines on every single freaking bike. It's annoying as shit, you know what I mean? You just get so much... So much old stuff that they need to get rid of, that they need to replace, but they aren't doing it. It's driving me fucking nuts. Um, but yeah. That, I mean, that's my two cents on that thing. Um, whether it's worth anything or not. Uh, because I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand why they're bringing back the Dark Angels. Um, and, and if it's to fight a loyalist chapter, what's the point in that? I can understand bringing them back and them fighting um, the Fallen, right? Okay, that's fair enough. But then... It's just fallen versions of Dark Angels. It's just two types of Dark Angels. So either you're bringing in the Ravenwing and the Deathwing versus the Fallen. So it's rogue Dark Angel figures. So it's you essentially getting a Dark Angel bloody box set. I mean, seriously. And also, the last bloody box set was Space Marines versus Chaos. So what you really need is two different armies for the next one. Dare I, and I hate the fucking Tau, but I dare I say Tau and, I don't know, something else, like Imperial Guard. It's not been an Imperial Guard release for a box set yet, if I remember right. So, I don't know, maybe Death Core Krieg, considering you've re removed them from the bloody Forge World catalogue. Why not do... Um, as I said, Tau versus Death Cora Krieg. That's simple. And loads of people will buy the Death Cora Krieg as well. Or, I mean, they might bring it out and do them versus the Sisters of Battle. When they release Sisters of Battle, I don't know. I mean, that would not be a bad one, Tau versus Sisters of Battle. That would be an interesting one, actually. Two completely different um, sets of uh, troops in... Um, full armor, pretty much. Um, you know, 
that would be an interesting box release, but releasing, I mean, I know it's, it's only a rumour um, at the moment, but I just think they need to think a wee bit more about what they're doing when they're releasing stuff. Um, and having a wee bit of a, <laughs> I don't know, forethought about it. Um, yeah, so that that's me. Done my games workshop run. Um, but as, as I said in the previous uh, episode, I quite enjoy the look of the new um, is it Gloom Gets or whatever they are, the new um, Night Goblin y kind of um, Sigmar figures and the Sylvanus stuff. I think that's an interesting idea. That's that, that's what I'm saying. That's an interesting idea for uh, a release for Age of Sigmar because Night Goblins and Forests, you know, Sylvanus in the Forests, you know, that works. Um, but it's also interesting. It's going to be an interesting dynamic of a box. Whereas Dark Angels versus a Loyalist chapter. Eh? That, or Dark Angels versus The Fallen. It's, there's not a lot of thought put into that one. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. You know, the, the release schedule. Like, I mean, Shadow Spear. I mean, that was out, what, less than two months before they announced that they were going to be taking it off the fucking shelves. I mean, seriously? That's craziness. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that's me for the day. Because I'm starting to get to the ranty stage. The proper ranty stage. And we don't really want that. Um, uh, as I said in the beginning, um, this com- this Saturday, the 11th of May, is Carinade, the Falkirk District Wargames Club's uh, wargaming show uh, at Graham High School. Starts from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Uh, there will be display games, there will be participation games, there will be traders, there will be uh, bring and buy, not bring and buy, a uh, flea market. Um, there'll be painting competitions. I keep on forgetting to add that one. There'll be a painting competition like thing throughout the day. Um, you know, it's pretty decent. No, I say pretty decent. The the there's decent um catering facilities, but the venue as a whole is pretty good. Um and the show is normally excellent. Um I think it's like the thirteenth year or something like that this year. Uh and I enjoy it. Um I will be there. With Glasgow District Wargamers Club or Wargamers Club, Wargamers Society's um, dis- uh, participation game. It will be Italians versus Serbians. Um, I can't remember the name of the scenario off the top of my head, but if you want to come along, come say hello. Um, and I think that's it for the plug. Um, obviously, since next Monday. Um, it will already been. Uh, I won't be plugging it. Uh, if you want me to plug something of yours, give me a shout. Um, 
yeah, um, as as I've been saying the last couple of episodes, no raffles right now. Um, I'm trying to figure out what to do with them, whether or not to continue them or not. Um, and I think that's it for me today. I'm going to say good day and happy hobby.